Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Heffer. I'm really honored today to bring my guest on. She has quite literally changed so much for me in my journey towards choosing myself. And I am certain that she will inspire you as well. Her name is Catherine Lennard. She is a channeler slash energy healer who's been interested in healthcare and well-being since she was a teenager. Though she began her journey on a fairly traditional path, focused on Western medicine and psychology, she ultimately felt the pull toward a more integrated approach. For the last two decades, Catherine has applied herself toward helping others find their own inner wisdom and healing. In both individual sessions and group offerings, she channels divine consciousness to provide insight and energy clearing for those seeking greater joy and fulfillment. I'm really excited to introduce Catherine Lennard. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. I can honestly say that the concept behind this podcast and so much of what I'm doing in my work all started with our work together and you continue to inspire me and you've taught me so much and I feel so excited to share a little bit of that with my audience and so people will kind of understand why I say what I say and where I and want to take my work. And I would love to share some of your, first your background. And really the concept here is about choosing you now. And again, like that came from our work. So you had such an interesting story. So if you could just give a little bit of background of how you ended up being a healer, healer, if you, you would call <laughs> yourself that, correct? Um, I don't mind being called that. <laughs> Yes. Well, I definitely see you as a, feel you as a healer's healer. You've healed me so much and continue to do so. So how did you go from, just can you give a little bit of your background and how you ended up being a healer's healer? Sure. Thank you for that label. I'm, I'm blessed to have it. I do work with a lot of healers and it is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, my background is actually in Western medicine. I went to the Ohio State University I was pre-med. I was, at the time, very sort of anti-God or anything spiritual. I was very science-based. I had to see it to believe it. And then I got tired of winter <laughs> in Ohio, <laughs> is the truth. And Part of me really wanted to be a singer. I've always been into music. So I decided to move to Los Angeles. And then I discovered I really love singing and I really don't like getting up in front of So a little bit of a problem there. So I floundered around for a number of years. I did this and that. And then one day, sort of at the end of my rope, I suppose, with work, I decided to go to massage school and went in as, again, quite a skeptic, but started having interesting and unusual experiences there. Uh, feeling, I wouldn't say I was feeling energy. I certainly don't see colors or auras or any of those things. And when I first was exposed to that, I thought, coming from a small town in Ohio and moving to Los Angeles, I really thought everyone must be on drugs because that's what my father would have said about it. Uh, But there was just too much happening to deny. So I I studied massage and body work. I taught anatomy and physiology for a while. And then I started getting more into energy work. 
I got certified in hypnotherapy because I thought it would go well with the body work. And then I decided to return to school and get a master's degree in clinical psychology because I figured I couldn't do body work for the rest of my days with wearing out my body. And I was just taking a lot of workshops that integrated body work with aspects of psychology. And one day, literally one day, at SLN, taking a workshop at SLN in Big Sur, the SLN Institute, I had this experience. And I don't really know how to describe it other than we had done a meditation exercise and then we were doing a partner exercise and we were asking each other questions. And I was answering the questions, but it just wasn't coming from me, meaning I wasn't thinking about the answer. I wasn't trying to figure out what to say, but every time my partner asked me a question, an answer arose, not one I would have given. And so I spent the rest of my week there just exploring it. And to be perfectly honest, thought maybe I had lost my mind <laughs> <laughs> or had a brain tumor or something like, uh, who is it, John Travolta and Phenomena? Uh -huh. it, it was just so strange. But I came back to my bodywork practice, which is what I was doing at the time, still as my primary income. And I realized I knew things suddenly about my clients. And so over the course of the next year, I just kept exploring it. I had, uh, fortunately, uh, some very <laughs> patient and gracious friends who let me experiment with them. And I got more comfortable with it. And I got more clear with it. And now it's what I do for my life's work. I can honestly say I tell everyone about you and I tell everyone that you have been right about everything. We've worked together for about 10 years and you have been right about everything. Things that I thought were impossible and things that I thought could never happen have all ended up playing out the way you had suggested. It's extraordinary. And what I love, there's so many messages that I want to share and talk about. Um, but I just want to point out something really kind of neat on your website, because I'm obviously a very science-minded person, too, and I love that about your background and how it diverged. And I love on your website how you say that you were exploring all these alternative approaches, but you found relief from the quote-unquote unexplained in research being published in the fields of quantum physics and cosmology, especially the research on particles and superstring theory. Slowly, the two words, I, the worlds I inhabited, the linear and logical and the creative and magical began to seem less and less divergent. And I love that because it just, it does put those two together and it kind of, for anyone that's like, whoa, how does that work? And that's impossible. It just, it's kind of like an interesting way to tie it back into something that we all kind of can rely on the science and the, the, the stuff that we're conditioned to think of as more truth. Clearly, I need to reread my bio. I don't even remember writing that. Uh, but it is true. I love blending this sort of esoteric thing with which, honestly, sometimes I'm still a little uncomfortable with something that applies to practical reality. What's the use of it to me if it does, or to anyone, if it doesn't work in the world that we live in? And I find more and more and more still to this day that. As science evolves, it explains quite well a lot of what I hear when I'm channeling. Not all of it, but most of it. And again, more as science learns more. So 
I, I like to keep it really grounded. One thing that really turned me off when I started out in massage school with the auras and the chakras and nothing against it, but for me, for my very science-minded self and the environment I was raised in, I, I didn't, I wasn't comfortable with it being too out there. I, I wanted it to make sense. I wanted it to be practical. I wanted it to be explainable. And and again, not all of it is when I'm channeling, uh, but I, I really, I still look for the science. I still read about psychology and Western medical developments and and even quantum physics and all of that. It's fascinating to me. Yes. And you you literally implement all of those different modalities so it's very comprehensive and relatable. It just makes it very, like you could think about it on all these different levels, which is very helpful. So back to like, or, or turning towards the audience and, the, and people listening and the idea of choosing yourself. You have many ideas that you talk about a lot or that comes out in your, in your talks. Um, but three that I chose to ask you about are just ones that literally changed my day-to-day -day life. And um, the first one is, you know, we all think, oh, how do I feel better? How do I, how am I more productive? How am I more successful? How do I have a better relationship? All of those things, you always come back to something very simple of just ground root and center. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? I can talk all day about it, <laughs> <laughs> but I won't. Uh, yeah, it's the, to me, it's the focal point, the, the jumping off point for anything our system, whether you look at it from a scientific perspective, psychologically, physiologically, biologically, or from an esoteric perspective, spiritually, energetically, uh, it knows. It knows what it needs to be well and to be balanced. And we live in a world that doesn't promote paying attention to that. We follow everyone else's instructions and suggestions and orders and rules and not to say we should be breaking the rules everywhere, but if you really want to experience wellness, if you really want to feel healthy and happy and joyful, that's a key word in my work, joyful or content, deeply content, you have to be able to listen to what, what I would say your soul is asking of you or your inner wisdom or God or divine consciousness. It To me, it's important to emphasize that this isn't promoting any particular religion or dogma. However you quantify that, higher self, it doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. But it knows. It knows why it's here. It knows what it wants. And when you align with that, you're happy and as healthy as you're able to be. And that means you have to slow down and listen inward and tune out for a moment all of the external noise that we're exposed to, the conditioning, as I call it. And so I promote ground root center. And there are so many ways to do it. Um, my approach is just to relax into your spine, seat, legs, feet, as I call it. So you, you can start from the ground up or the top down. But since most people are in their head most of the time, I start from the top down and just imagine relaxing into your spine and then settling into your seat. I would do it much more slowly than this at the beginning. Uh, and then... Notice your legs and then really feel your feet on the ground. And you're not looking for anything. It's not a, a qualitative observation. It's just to become present. And, and if you can sit there and be quiet, and, and 
So many people resist this idea of meditation, which I don't actually really encourage. I certainly don't discourage. I'm all for it. But it's really just about becoming present to whatever is. It's not trying to achieve a quiet mind, which is really hard for most people in the world that we live in. It's not trying to achieve some altered Zen state. It's really just to feel what's going on and being able to tap into, consciously tap into the body's wisdom and and listen to what it's pushing you towards because it is talking to you every moment of the day. It is communicating, I should say, every moment of the day, guiding you towards this and away from that. And everybody can do it. It's not some magical miracle thing exclusive to people who have sat at the mountaintop for a year. Anybody can do it. It takes two to five minutes is all I say, just two to five minutes of of listening inward Acknowledging whatever is if if you're anxious, then that's what you sit with. I'm I'm just anxious. I feel so anxious. And not to tell stories about it, not to try to understand or explain it. And most of all, don't try to get rid of it. Just what's going on with me? What am I thinking about? What am I afraid of? What am I worried about? What am I focused on? So it's just presence, mindfulness, I suppose most people call it. Uh, to me, it, it, there's a deeper layer to it. To really listen inward and receive directly, consciously, again, that communication. I love that because a lot of us think that we need to do something extraordinary or, you know, we have to try really harder, try harder, do more, you know, all of that. And I love how you just bring it always back to this simple message and it makes it very feasible no matter where you are in the world. I, you know, I've practiced this. I've listened to you and thought about it all over the world on airplanes, on, you know, wherever I am. If I could just go back to Ground Root Center, it, it's extraordinary how powerful that is. Actually, one of the greatest gifts one of my teachers gave me was the idea that you can do this anywhere, anytime. Not to be crass, but I tell people, you're sitting on the toilet. You have to sit on the toilet for however long it takes to do your bodily functions. Ground root center there. If you're driving and you're sitting in the car at a stoplight, ground root center there. It doesn't have to be this big fancy thing with special cushions and a candle and this music. In fact, I would argue or suggest, maybe we don't have to argue about it, (laughs) (laughs) that it's much more effective and functionally useful to practice it throughout the day when you're doing basic things. Grocery shopping can be one of the most challenging to me. Stores are so big. They're so overwhelming with sensory input. And to just drop into your heels while you're standing in the grocery store and and into your, again, spine, seat, legs, feet, and feel into what am I here for? What am I wanting? And not get then distracted by, again, all of the sensory input. Do it all day long, two minutes here, two minutes there. And eventually what your neurology does, your brain does, is connect all those dots and you will find over a matter of even just a few weeks of doing it throughout the day that you're just more present to everything all day long. And it's easier to get through the day without stress, without struggle, without anxiety. And then there's so many things that happen when you just start asking yourself, because I'm still, I've got a lot of work to do on this. Like when you say, what do I want? What is joyful? There's so many stories around that answer. And it's hard to know what's, well, you always talk about, can you explain a little bit about how you can discern between all of the 
messaging around you or environment stimuli around you and what's true for you in that moment? Well, in its simplest, perhaps most reductive terms, our natural state is rest. It's the parasympathetic nervous system. Our natural state is to be at rest. So if you don't feel good, if you're worried or anxious or your stomach's upset, if you don't feel at rest, then you're not paying attention to yourself. You're not inward. I I talk about the ego having basically two channels. You can be tuned outward, which is collective consciousness, which is a lot of fear and doubt and anxiety, or you can be tuned inward. And when you're tuned inward, everything is good all the time. So I distinguish between joy and sometimes I prefer the word contentment because it doesn't matter what's going on in the brain. When you're inward, when the ego's focused inward, you're just content. You feel good. Even if you don't like what you're doing, you still feel good. You feel safe, good, and loved. To me, those are the three, the way I would language the three necessary components for the ego to experience wellness, to feel safe, good, and loved. And most of us, by both neurological default and conditioning, look outside ourselves for that. If these people like me, if these people approve of me, if the world thinks I'm good, then I'm good. And it's it's very fleeting. Everything external is temporary. So the only way to get that sustained sense of contentment, to feel safe, good, and loved, is to approve of yourself, to look inward and like yourself. So <laughs> I don't mean to call you out here, but even that idea that I have a lot of work to do has a self-recrimination to it or can very easily be a self-recrimination rather than just, I'm okay. I might want to change this. Uh, I might want to add in, as you always say with your clients or tell me always say, (laughs) add in more of this that you want. Don't think about so much what you want to get rid of, but focus on what you want to add in more of and, and apply that to your life. What brings you joy? What lights you up? Not temporarily uh, in psychology, they talk about being in flow. When you're so involved in something, you lose basically all track of time. When your ego is focused inward, you don't actually lose track of time. You become actually very aware of everything, but you can still be in flow at the same time where you're completely and fully present to whatever it is you're doing. And I always tell people, if you have the luxury of being worried, you're probably not in danger right now. Hmm. So when you come present to this moment, you, you can't really be worried. If you look at fight-flight response at its essence, it's for a moment of actual danger. <laughs> the saber-toothed tiger is in front of you, and you need to move without thinking. Everything else is manufactured by our thought process, by allowing ourselves to be not here right now. Which leads me to the second principle that I love and learned so much from you about is ease and grace. My favorite. Can you talk a little (laughs) bit about that? (laughs) Well, in channeling spirit, I call it spirit. Again, fill in whatever word you like. Uh, Spirit always says the nature of being in alignment with your soul or God or divine consciousness, however you conceptualize that, is ease and grace. Because God, spirit source, is the creator of all things. The ego is not a creative force. So the soul already knows what it wants and how to get what it wants. All we have to do is align with that. It's a little bit different than the law of attraction, which so many people are familiar with, which seems to 
in many cases, promote this idea of if you want something, you do your vision boards and think about it and, and it, it can come to pass. Really, according to spirit, or as I channel it, as I receive it, uh, if you tune inward, if you listen to your inner wisdom and you do what makes you joyful, content, feel still, safe, good, and loved, at ease, uh, that's ease and grace. You, you can't feel anything but ease and grace. You always know when you're in alignment because it has a feeling of ease and grace. There's always a parasympathetic nervous system response. The truth always elicits parasympathetic nervous system. The whole body just breathes a sigh of relief. So I tell people, because so many seem to struggle with, well, how do I know? How do I know if it's coming from my soul or from my mind or somewhere else? What do I, if it feels good and not just in your head, not just appealing to the ego, but really your whole body from the neck down responds positively, it's good. And if your body tenses, it's not in alignment. <laughs> Spirit's very adamant about we don't say bad. There's no bad, wrong, or evil. There's just in alignment and not so in alignment. In alignment feels amazing. Ease and grace to me, <laughs> I always say, is like driving down the street with no cars in front of you and all green lights. <laughs> or putting on a pair of cozy old pajamas or yoga pants, you say too, right? <laughs> Sometimes, like yeah, it's very, it's comfortable. It's just comfortable and easy and effortless. And it's so brilliant to think about it in that respect, as opposed to working harder, trying harder. I mean, I feel like that's what we, our culture is. It's like, you're not working hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. You need to want it more. And I love this. It's the antithesis. It's just like, what if you just let go? It's amazing. Yes. And again, I, I really like to pair that with practical reality. It's not ignoring responsibility. It's not disregarding the very real dangers and aspects of this world that we live in. It's incorporating that into a an awareness of a more infinite self. When you tune inward and you feel safe, good, and loved, it's easy to carry that through the day, even when things around you are getting a little chaotic or out of hand. It, I, Carolyn Mace, I think, used to say, if you really want to get good at meditating, go meditate in front of a construction site. Oh, wow. <laughs> if you, you can keep yourself still and calm there. You, you, you're pretty much rocking it. And I think that's true about who we are. If you practice being present to what you're feeling in your body, I, I'm very emphatic about incorporating our awareness of our body uh, without putting too much emphasis on it. Because we are human. You have to include that aspect. You, you can't ignore the ego. It doesn't make sense to ignore the ego. But to use it in a way that's more useful and productive and pleasant to listen inward and notice this feels good to me. I want to do more of it. This doesn't feel good to me. I think I'm going to move away from it. It's actually not that hard. <laughs> well, it's what is it? Simple, not easy. It would be easy to say simple, not easy, but in a way it's easy too. The hardest part is making the decision to do it. To really commit yourself to focusing, again, taking that two minutes throughout the day to just pause and breathe into your spine, seat, legs, feet. If you do that, if you make that commitment, it's no different to me than making a commitment to brush your teeth or wash your hair or wash your hands. That's a big one. 
How about that? Every time you wash your hands in this COVID-laced world we're in right now, you you take that 20 seconds or 30 seconds to just breathe into your spine, seat, legs, feet and be here. I'm here. There's nothing to do right now. I'm going to do that. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> it's really helpful uh, for the brain to form a new habit when you tie it to something you're already doing. <laughs> when I was a personal trainer, I used to do that with my clients. I'd say every time you're at a stoplight, squeeze your abs or you know those kind of things. And it really helps. Like you Now, every time I'm at a stoplight, I still think about that. And this is years and years later. So it, it, like tying it and associating it seems to be a powerful way to build a habit. Absolutely. And don't make it a big deal. It, this isn't, as you said, it's not about working harder, applying more effort. It's just about slowing down and taking a moment here and there throughout the day to pay attention to what you're thinking, feeling, and doing and take the pressure off. Oh, <laughs> every time you say that, I just, I feel that in my body. I'm conditioned. So the third principle that you talk about that's kind of emerged, I don't know, I want to say in the last year or so, not, it's, it's relatively new for what we've talked about before, but it's so apropos for the concept of choosing you now. And I'm pretty certain this is where that idea came from for me was us talking about radical self-compassion. Mm. Yeah. Gorgeous. Please talk about that. <laughs> radical self-compassion that started coming through about a year ago. And the idea behind it is everything you think is wrong with you is a product of conditioning. The the family you grew up in, the culture you grew up in, the era, the planet, the world that you grew up in, telling you that this thing that works well for you isn't okay, or this thing that doesn't work for you, you have to somehow adapt and like it. So radical self-compassion at its essence is, I'm okay. Even if there's something I want to change about myself, it doesn't make me bad or wrong or a failure. The The lowest vibration, the most damaging vibration that we can be in is guilt and shame. Most people think it's anger, but anger is really an, a, a symptom of guilt and shame. So when you're struggling with anger, I get that question a lot in groups that I do. How do I deal with anger? Deal with your guilt and shame. What do you think is so terrible about you? What have you done that is so awful that you need to be constantly punishing yourself for it? And Consider the research in psychology. There's never been, to my knowledge, a research study done in psychology that has shown punishment to be an effective form of behavior revision. Our brain is neurologically a reward-based system. So it, it's not to stroke the ego <laughs> with no uh, foundation behind it. It's not to just make yourself feel good. That's not the goal. It's the result, but it's not the goal. The goal is to accept what is, to accept what is. And that is radical self-compassion. I'm good, even on my worst day. It's not my favorite version of myself, but I'm not trying to be bad. <laughs> I'm not trying to be hateful and mean and terrible. I'm not trying to screw things up. I'm just having a bad day right now. <laughs> Don't take it so personally. That's a really powerful lesson, too. We tend to do that, too. Uh, yes, yes, and we we certainly live in a world that promotes that. It's and a culture in particular that if you're successful, it's because of something you did right, and if you're in poverty or struggling, it's because something is wrong with you. You did something wrong, and that's just not accurate. So, for anyone listening, and they're trying to 
choose themselves or trying to make a big decision or just kind of shift back into these principles, what would you, what would you suggest in terms of like, what's the first step to just stopping and listening and applying all this wisdom that you've discussed so far? Well, you know what I'm going to say, the first step is ground root center. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And in short, that means the first step is take a pause and take a breath in. And it's not so much about the breath. You don't have to deep breathe or count to four and hold it and then exhale. Just take a breath and come back to your body because the body doesn't lie. From the neck down, the body doesn't lie. It does not defer to the ego. It either feels good or it doesn't. And it is responding directly to your soul or your inner wisdom, so to speak. So take a breath in. Notice how you're feeling without judgment. And without trying to change it or alter it, just this is where I am right now. What would make me feel better right now? It's the kindest, gentlest thing you can ask yourself, especially if you're feeling anxious or depressed or angry. What would make me feel better right now? Now, what do I think I should do? Not what has so-and-so expert told me to do, but me. What do I need right now? Do I need a nap? Do I need a bath? A hug? Do I need to read a book? Do I need to quit my job? And bear in mind, it's not the big decisions that are making or breaking us. We give those lots of time and consideration. It's the tiny little things you do every day without really thinking about it. I don't really like this food, but I'm going to eat it because it's good for me. Um, I don't really want to do this thing, uh, this book club, but my good friend invited me, so I need to go. These little things that we blow off our response to them. That's what's going to make all the difference. So don't make it a big, huge deal. Don't get invested in there is a right way and a whole bunch of wrong ways. The truth is there are a lot of right ways. And the only wrong way is not to do it at all. (laughs) Right. I love that. That's very helpful. So I ask all my guests this, and I'll ask you to, to, to look at, you know, you are out there helping so many people. And I'm curious about how you choose you when you're giving so much and receiving so much and intertwined with all these energies. Like, how do you take care of you and choose you? That is an excellent question. Uh, And some days I do it better than others. Uh, Ideally, at the end of a day, well, I start the day with sit. I always start the day with that two to five minute sit. Because if you can still your ego before you launch into the day, you're already setting yourself up for a better, more self-aware day. If you can't remember to do it every time you wash your hands or sit on the toilet, uh, then at least get up in the morning first thing and take two to five minutes to sit somewhere comfortably. Don't get fancy with it. Just sit somewhere you can be comfortable. Breathe into your spine, seat, legs, feet, and just decide. There's a thing in psychology called selective attention, which primes the ego basically for what we're thinking about. It's kind of, uh, for example, if you're thinking about a blue Volvo, suddenly it seems like everyone has a blue Volvo. Well, probably not anymore. I don't think (laughs) you get the idea. Mini Cooper, (laughs) Tesla, that should have been the, yes. Uh, So start the day with that. I always want to start the day with that. Get up and take two to five minutes to just sit, become present to myself and decide that I'm going to listen inwardly to the best of my ability. 
There's no pressure in that. Some days it's not very good. Some days it's spot on. But I'm going to decide every day. And then periodically throughout the day, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to pause, take a breath in, and ask myself what I need. Because I sit inside all day uh, doing sessions, usually what I need is to step outside for a minute and breathe in some fresh air and put my feet on the ground. That's one of the one of my saving graces, I would say. Uh, and then at the end of the day, same thing. Before I, I'm especially because so many of us are working at home, make a conscious transition from I'm no longer working to now it's my part of the day. What do I want? What do I want to eat for dinner that's going to feel good to me? What do I want to watch on TV or read or take care of in the house? What do I want to do right now that's going to nurture me? And and nurturing yourself, sometimes it means doing the laundry. Sometimes it means doing the dishes. It's not all about taking a hot bath with candles and a glass of wine. or whatever. Sometimes that's the answer too. But I guess the short answer is just check in periodically throughout the day, see how I'm feeling and see what I need to do or what feels like it might make me feel a little bit better and giving myself permission to do that. Well, thank you for sharing. I could talk to you all day. 10 years later, I could still say that it's my favorite hour of the week when we get to meet. And um, thank you for sharing your beautiful wisdom, Catherine. Thank you again for having me. It's such a pleasure. I too could talk about this all day. I appreciate being able to be here with you. One of my favorite of all of those many gems in that beautiful interview is that all we need is a few moments throughout the day to ground root center and that to experience the feelings of being safe, good, and loved is to simply go within with radical self-compassion. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.